Today on Sexually Woke with Dr. Susan, I'm speaking again with Dr. Carolyn DeLucia, New York-based gynecologist and one of the country's preeminent experts in women's sexual wellness. Hi, and thanks for joining me on this week's episode of Sexually Woke with me, Dr. Susan. And this is part two of a fantastic conversation with Dr. Carolyn DeLucia. As you recall, she's one of the country's premier gynecologists in the field of women's sexual wellness and sexual well-being and gynecology to do with those incredible things that I love so much. So welcome back, Carolyn. It's so good to have you. Thank you. It's always fun to be here with you, Susan. Thank you. So we were talking last time and we got to so many exciting things, but we wanted to talk more about a subject that is so important, um, which is vaginal laxity or this feeling that our vagina has become more relaxed after having children, right? And it's something that we don't talk about very much. Absolutely. Women tend to try to normalize it. They think it's, this is what's supposed to happen. I have to live with this. And one of my patients described her vagina as a used softball glove. And that was really devastating to think of how she was referring to her own genitalia. And we have to pay attention because it affects women's confidence and their ability to feel sexy and to enjoy intimacy. Yeah, so for sure. Yeah. And, you know, and it, it's such a sort of deep, dark secret I've found when I've talked to my patients. It's something, uh, and we talked about this last time too, and in traditional medicine, it's something that is very unlikely that you're going to share with your gynecologist because more than likely you're not going to receive an answer that feels very validating or you might have already been told, oh, you're fine. This is normal. You know, of course you've had babies, so it's just the way it is. These kind of, um, you know, blowing off type of remarks that lead a lot of women not to bring it up with their physicians, right? And I found that happens all the time. All the time. And what's tragic about it is that it's not only about the lack of sensation with intimacy. So when there's that relaxation, and the way I like to look at the vagina is before a baby, it's a cylinder. After a baby, it's a square where the walls are falling in from all four sides. And with that weakness in the walls, there's a lack of friction with penetration and a lack of sensation. So in many women, they're not enjoying sex as much and they won't talk about it. But that's not the only issue here. The other issue is that the organs can prolapse in our medical terminology, which means fall out. And there's weakness of the anterior wall, which is our bladder bulging out. That's clinically called a cystocele. The rectum bulges out referred to as a rectocele, and the uterus can come down, which is a uterine prolapse, as well as intestines can even herniate, so to speak, into the vaginal vault. And we've all seen all of these conditions over and over again through the years, and they cause a certain amount of interference with confidence and comfort. There's a lot of pressure involved, right? Yeah. So, yes. So if you, you know, at the far end of the spectrum, we see patients where the uterus, the bladder, the rectum, even the intestines are actually coming outside of the body, uh, Mm -hmm. which you can imagine is incredibly uncomfortable and, and limits us in so many settings intercourse, of course, but even just walking around doing exercise is very, very uncomfortable. So that's the far end of the spectrum that we would call a grade four prolapse. But just like Carolyn said, you know, any weakness of these muscles causes some major in that case, or some maybe a little bit not so major discomfort that can be physical or emotional, you know, because there is this idea, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but we live in this culture where there's certain you know, aesthetic ideals, right? So having a tighter vagina is appealing for many reasons. And without seeming politically incorrect, I mean, this is just the way it is, right? So having a tighter vagina is associated with being more youthful because when we were younger, that's what we had. 
It's also more functional for all the reasons that Carolyn suggested. It supports your bladder, your rectum. Everything's tight where it used to be. So this this vaginal weakness and relaxation thing is kind of scary. It's sort of part of aging and we're sort of falling apart, right? So, you know, we're all about accepting ourselves as we are and our, our beautiful inner core is what it is and all of those things. But having procedures done to reduce the suffering around these things is available and it's wonderful. And what have you seen with your patients who've been able to restore that muscle tone? Oh, it changes their lives. Again, it's about empowerment and being able to take control of your own sexuality and being a willing and active participant in the sexual act. And when you're feeling less than whole, when you're feeling less than appealing and your confidence is down, there's no way you want to participate actively, excitedly in sex. It just doesn't happen. So it's so important to have ways to improve female laxity. And we have these, we have surgical as well as non-surgical methods that can help repair all of those symptoms. And my feeling, and I may have said it in our last talk, that these procedures should be done as we go through our lives so that the tissues are maintained. To me, it should be as routine as a yearly exam to maintain our integrity of the tissue so that none of these issues have to arise. Right. And so there's something that we don't want to talk about when we're talking about our genital area. Now, if we had a hernia in our belly button or our abdomen, a man or a woman would go right to the surgeon and have that fixed. And what we're talking about here is a, a form of a hernia where our bladder is falling through a hole in the ceiling, so to speak, of our vagina or the rectum is coming up through the floor, so to speak. It's a, it's a hernia. It's a gap in the mm. muscle that's allowing something to pooch through that shouldn't be. And it's okay to fix it. And I don't like the word fix because you're already perfect and we know all of that. But um, accepting that these are things that can happen, just like if you had a hernia in your belly button or your abdomen or somewhere else, your groin, you know, you wouldn't think there was something terribly wrong with you or you were less of a person. You would just correct it because all we're trying to do is restore normal anatomy, right? Yes, and function. Let's not forget that when our bladder is dropping, we're going to lose urine. We lose urine with a cough, a sneeze, a a jump. Uh, So many patients come in complaining that they can't jump on the trampoline with their children. And that's typically seen with that relaxation in the front wall of the vagina, part of the laxity. And if that's repaired, they're not peeing their pants anymore. And that's life-changing. A very important point there is that 40% of women who have urinary incontinence will not be intimate. They won't have sex with their partner for fear of wedding. And that's part of what we're discussing here today is the functionality of the vagina and when there's this extreme laxity, and it doesn't happen to everybody, but where it does occur, it should be treated and not ignored. Yeah, for sure. And without judgment, there's nothing nothing wrong with you, just like any other surgery that you might need where we don't fall down that trap that we do sometimes because it's related to sex, that I'm not sexy, I'm not good enough, you know, I'm going to hide or I'm going to be ashamed you know, really would encourage you to get beyond that, that this is something that happens when we have babies. Happens to almost everybody. Um, You know, Carolyn was talking about the leaking of urine, which is a huge problem. If it's, it might end up making you not do a lot of things you love. You may stop having sex. You might stop exercising. You might stop going to certain events because you're worried about how you might smell. I mean, the, the degree to which it can change your life is really enormous. So it's not a small thing to leak urine. It it can completely change your life. I've seen women even become depressed and isolate uh, because they are afraid of odor or that they might leak if they go to church and laugh or cough. Or So we don't live in those times where we have to wear adult diapers anymore, ladies. I, I really would love to see the end of adult diapers on the shelves, um, except for you know very elderly nursing home patients, perhaps. But even that, even then, there's solutions. 
we don't Correct. have to live with that anymore. No, not at all. And in 2020, there is a statistic showing that more adult diapers were sold than baby diapers in the United States. No that's kidding. Re- yes. That, yes, absolutely. That, and that is that a re- is sad. It's a re- yeah, it's a ridiculous statistic. And it's true. So we have to try to address the issue and stop hiding it and when there are very painless, simple treatments, especially if treated soon, if treated early on, it's going to make a huge difference in the quality of your life moving forward. So I I think of my mother-in-law, she was in her probably mid sixties and she loved going to play um, bowling. She loved to, she was on a bowling team and she couldn't do it anymore because when she picked up the bowling ball, her uterus fell out. Oh, <laughs> it was, gosh. and she goes, she was so uncomfortable, and she was wearing a pad to hold her uterus in. And I'm like, that's not what you got to do, Mom. You got now at that point, it's a little too late for non-invasive procedures. There is a device that we can put in the vagina to hold it up if you do not want surgery. It's called a pessary, but what she decided to do was she was healthy enough. Let's get the surgery. And she has a much better quality of life moving forward. She's now 94. Mm. So it's remarkable what impact that can have on your quality of life. Just like you were saying, you stop doing activities that you love to do because you're inhibited by the chance of wetting your pants or feeling pressure or discomfort from your organs popping out. That's just, or just even slipping down. They don't have to be completely protruding to be uncomfortable. Yeah, for sure. And so I I love the idea that these type of procedures, and, and we're going to talk about non-invasive and invasive procedures, but these type of procedures that can allow you to do the things that you want to do again are restoring freedom. I mean, we don't have freedom when there's certain things that we can't do. And I personally don't want anyone, myself or any of uh, listeners to live in a world where they are not able to do certain things because that they want to do because of something anatomic that we can easily correct and it's safe. And if you go to someone like Carolyn or myself or many other good doctors who do this, this can be corrected. And we just have to sort of step outside this box of shame that we live in, like, oh, something's wrong with me that my vagina isn't tight like a 20-year-old. Guess what? No one is, but we just don't talk about it. So um, Carolyn and I see women all day and we know no one's vagina is like that, but you don't get to see women naked all day like we do, but we're telling you like there's nothing wrong with you, but it is something that can be corrected. And then talk about what happens with the with the rectus. Oh my goodness, um, women with the rectal yeah. rectal wall weakness have awful problems they have to deal with, right? Yes, they have. To, when they're trying to have a bowel movement, very often these women will have to put their fingers inside the vagina to redirect the stool to come out the anus and they can suffer before they figure that out, which is so sad. They're suffering from constipation and it's so uncomfortable and they can't figure out why they can't pass the stool. And it's because it's going in the wrong direction and it's bulging into the vagina instead of out of the anus. So it's horrifying for these women to have to sit on a toilet and to bend over and put their own fingers in their vagina to help redirect the stool. So again, maintenance of this tissue is so important and simple to do. Yeah, so if you're lucky enough to be young enough to maintain the tissue before it gets too uh, severe to the point where your uterus is falling out like we're talking about now, Anyone who's listening, even if you have a stage four prolapse and everything's falling out, yes, that's that's also correctable. But if you can start earlier, and this is why we encourage our patients to come in, you know, right after childbirth and start doing some pelvic physical therapy and other things that can help to keep the tissue strong. Now, my mom, who's 87, she didn't get this advice. I mean, these things weren't available. So she had five kids and had prolapse and leaks urine and all of those things. But those of us who are a bit younger, we do have the opportunities to 
maintain this and to hopefully avoid surgery by doing some things like pelvic physical therapy and other non-invasive treatments. So let's talk about what, so what would the path be if we, you know, a woman's safe in her 40s and has had a couple of babies and she's having a little bit of this, it's not too bad yet. What, what are some things she could do? All right. Well, the tradition, let's go where if they went to any OBGYN, what they're going to be told to do is to do Kegel exercises. And that's when we tighten all the pelvic floor muscles and try to hold it for 10 seconds, 10 sets of 10 a day. And hopefully we could rebuild that pelvic floor musculature to help kind of tuck things back in when it's really mild. And that's about the extent of your routine OBGYN. When it comes to having other things to do, if you go to a urogynecologist, urogynecologists now will offer biofeedback and and pelvic floor physical therapy. These types of procedures are kind of invasive. They're putting probes in the vagina to measure the pressure of a Kegel exercise, for example, and that type of uh, interaction, which is not quite um, enjoyable. And most women just don't like going. So they slack off and don't get the benefits of going through a full physical therapy of the pelvic floor because it's intrusive and embarrassing. However, if you can come to a doctor who has a a chair, a high femme technology chair, this is high intensity focused electromagnetic energy, and it will make every fiber of every muscle in your pelvic floor contract 11,200 times. I think we discussed it in our last podcast as well, which is a remarkable treatment. And in something where you wear your clothing, you don't even have to take your clothes off. You can sit there in yoga pants or leggings and get a full treatment in 28 minutes. It's a series of six. And then maintenance is about once every four to six months, you come sit on the chair and have your treatment to maintain the tightness of that tissue. And this is in very mild to moderate cases. So that's, a, I just want to mention um, the brand name or one of them. I don't know if there's another one. The brand name of the chair that Carolyn's talking about is M-Sella, E-M-S-E-L-L-A. And uh, I have one in my office too. And the first time I sat on it, I was um, a patient, you know, because I've had a vaginal delivery and then a, another set of twins. So I had a little bit of mild leakage of urine. So I tried this out. And the first time I sat on it, I was surprised. It was really pleasant. I mean, it's less than 30 minutes. It's not painful. And this is so interesting what you said. I had actually been to pelvic physical therapist and she's a fantastic, I love her. I still send a lot of patients there. But I, I'll be honest, I didn't do all of the treatments. I mean, the I was supposed to do all these things and, you know, life got in the way. And so it it didn't work as well as it could have because I wasn't a perfect patient. But I find that that happens a lot because it is, it's difficult to do, but this is so easy. Like Carolyn said, you're in your clothes, you sit down for 30 minutes, you can play on your phone or just enjoy the experience because it's quite pleasant. And uh, it takes out all of the, um, what I call user error, like what happened to me. I didn't do it. I'll be honest. I didn't do my exercises. I didn't go back for my follow-up. So, you know, it didn't work. So this is such an easy way to get the pelvic physical therapy done and actually better, you know, stronger than you could achieve on your own. And it doesn't hurt all of those things. So what are the statistics that you've seen? So not only does it help make make the vagina, vaginal muscles stronger, but it can eliminate stress incontinence. Uh, So what percentage of patients? Yeah. 75%. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. So 75% of patients who would have had surgery. Um, That's correct. And that's That's so great. All of these things that we're now able to do that can avoid surgery, you know, albeit it's a relatively minor surgery to have a bladder sling, for example, but it's in surgery. You've got to go to sleep. You've got to take time off work and not exercise for a few weeks and all these things. So, hey, if you can not do And I think there's more to it, Susan. I got to pop in here about that surgery. Mm -hmm. What we did not think of when we were learning how to do these procedures is the incision we are making. It's right over the G-spot. 
Yes. Right over that G spot. We're no. destroying G spot. Oh, so true. And how is that? That is not a good thing. Mm-hmm. And every woman has this soft tissue area in the front wall of the vagina that may or may not be an erogenous zone for them. But those of us who it is an erogenous zone for kind of like it and don't want it destroyed. It's a very sensitive area in a lot of women. So it's a tragedy that here we are taught in order to improve these type of procedures to slice right through it. It kills me. Yeah. I I (laughs) love that you said that because that occurred to me at some point during my training when I was slicing right through it as we're taught to do. And then um, sewing it up and cutting it right, right into the area that we knew was where this um, amazing collection of nerves existed. Like this, this cannot be a great idea. And uh, before you said that, I was the only person that I knew that had ever brought this up. And I was shot down when I brought it up. Like, of course, that's not a thing, you know, Um, just do surgery, do surgery, do surgery. And um, sometimes we need to do surgery. Absolutely. But if we can do things that are non-invasive, let's please try to do those first, you know? And I think any, I hope anyway, that any responsible surgeon would offer non-surgical alternatives first. Um, so yes, the MCELA chair, that's a cool, yeah. cool thing. Yeah. Um, can eliminate stress incontinence without surgery, tightens all the pelvic muscles. You don't have to be doing your Kegels a hundred times a day. Um, yes. and then what else, what other things can women do? So there's also lasers. Lasers are either carbon dioxide, CO2 lasers, or erbium lasers. And they're each made with hand pieces that can deliver energy to all the walls of the vagina. And in doing so, they're heating the tissue, causing some injury, and the body's response is to heal that with new collagen and new blood vessels. And when dealing with areas of laxity, that improved collagen will bring back an overstretched rubber band to a new rubber band to assist it to cling to what's penetrating and increase the sensation of uh, intercourse when following these procedures. But also with lubrication, it's significantly better than just using topical estrogens, which is also the standard of care for uh, for making intercourse comfortable with lubrication issues. And unfortunately, the issue with the local estrogens is that we have to balance the dosing not to become systemic. We want to just keep it in those local tissues. And if you use too much estrogen, then you're going to get it into the bloodstream And that wasn't the point. You'd need to then address different issues if the estrogen is becoming systemic. For example, if they have a uterus, you got to use progesterone. So it's complicating the picture. So the dosages for local estrogen are just enough to make it tolerable, but not bring it back to a Mm -hmm. normal tone. Yes, and I've seen that in so many of my patients. It's so interesting that you said that because for years, um, like all gynecologist. I was just using uh, vaginal estrogen for restoring vaginal moisture or maintaining it. And it does work. But like you said, it just barely. Um, But laser therapy is just um, really the next level. uh, So that patients who have even had complete absence of moisture after breast cancer therapy or many years without estrogen can, I say, you know, have a desert turn back into a garden in in just three months of treatment. Um, so it really is remarkable and I've had it done myself. So I can tell you, yes, it, it really does work. So what's it like having a laser procedure? I can tell about my experience, but what, what can patients expect when they have a laser procedure? Do they need anesthesia? Is it painful? What are the after effects? Yep. With CO2, there's no need for anesthesia and it's about five minutes. It takes very limited amount of time. The probe is placed into the vagina and it's turned. So some women will feel the sensation of the laser turning inside the vagina, but there's no pain. Uh, I also had the procedure. I was amazed at 
healthy change in the tissue from that. And it's once a month for three months. Erbium sometimes will need some numbing to the tissue. And that's usually a topical agent that's applied and left in place for about 20 minutes before the procedure. And then the procedure will be virtually painless. Again, feeling the probe turning, but nothing much else. And again, taking five minutes, three visits, one month apart, and maintenance is once a year. Yeah, it it really is amazing. And having both had this done ourselves, uh, I I love being a patient when we can experience what our patients are going to go through. Um, I had the Erbium laser done, um, the different Mm -hmm. brand names. The one that I have in my office is called Juliet, but there's others like Diva and some others. Um, I felt like um, a woodpecker, woodpecker tapping me like pop, 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 Uh, uncomfortable, but not painful. You know, just like being hit with a rubber band or something like that. So totally tolerable. Yeah. It just takes a few minutes. A little bit more uncomfortable as it gets to the outside. You know, these concentric circles start at the top and then they get closer to the outside. Of course, it's a little more sensitive close to the outside, but completely tolerable. You can go, I went to the gym. I went to spin class afterwards. I mean, no downtime. Um, I do tell my patients and I experienced, I didn't want to have sex for a few days because I had quite a lot of discharge because the tissue is, it's burned. I mean, this is a control burn, but just like if you burned your skin, you'll have some weepy discharge. Um, Mm -hmm. So it makes it a little you know, wearing a panty liner or whatever, but, you know, really no, nothing major, just a few days. And then you can have sex, you can do whatever you want to. Correct. Phenomenal treatment. And then the next treatment to discuss is radio frequency, which is another delivery system that once again, heats the tissue. The difference is that radio frequency takes a little longer. It's radio waves, and it's going to penetrate the tissue as well, maybe a little deeper even than a laser, but it doesn't um, make any injury externally to the tissue. We call that ablation. It's a non-ablative, but it does heat, and it just takes a long time to reach the appropriate heat in order to change the tissue. So that can take 20 minutes in the vaginal area. And if you are desiring to tighten the skin on the outside, usually the same probe can be used externally. And that would be an additional 10 to 15 minutes. So it can be quite a lot of time spent with a probe going in and out of the vagina. And it's it still will work. And it's a, another method of getting the job done. Now, I'll, I'll tell you, I don't know if you've experienced this. So I have in my office, I have both of these things, the, um, mm-hmm. rate, the RF, radio frequency, the, sure. brand, the brand name we have is called Thermiva, there's others, and then the laser. And I, I will tell you that I have actually pretty much stopped doing RF treatments because I found the laser, of course, it's less time. Patients like it better because they don't have to sit there for 30 minutes. Um, have you found the results to be different, uh, better one way or the other? I mean, we still have both in my office, but I think we're definitely moving more towards laser. Of course. Laser is always the gold standard. Um, the reason why Therm- uh, Thermiva and radiofrequency came to the market in this space is because it's a little bit less expensive, honestly, for the doctor to purchase. And it's not a laser, therefore the doctor may not need to do the procedure and a nurse practitioner or a medical technician can perform the procedure. Therefore, it doesn't uh, occupy the physician's time and that makes it more versatile Mm -hmm. and useful in a doctor's office rather than a laser where in a lot of states, including New Jersey where I am, you must have a medical degree in order to use a laser. You cannot use a laser if you are a nurse or a medical technician, you must be an MD. So that being the case, it's um, somewhat limiting, and but it's so quick and so efficient. Laser is still the gold standard of treatment um, to get that most efficient treatment done. So a lot of patients 
that I have spoken to have heard that the lasers, and they have different brand names. Um, Mona Lisa is one of the, you know, the ones that have been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. There's lots of them now, Juliet, Diva, these different uh, types of laser. A lot of patients tell me, oh, I thought that was just for breast cancer patients or patients. Oh, dear. Yeah, but have you heard that too? And so I, I mean, when I'm trying to say, you know, anyone like myself, I haven't had breast cancer. I take hormones. I'm not hormonally deficient. But it, it really can be helpful for anyone. You know, certainly that group of patients is is very well served by laser. But any woman, um, and you don't have to be 50, any woman who wants a little bit more moisture sensation, um, improvement of laxity can benefit. Exactly. Exactly. And this is the, these are the treatments that I think should become mainstay and part of a yearly routine. You know, once they get their first three, then you move on and you continue it once a year and maintain that tissue. And that, that is my hope for the future. Yeah. And so I think in, in, in wellness world where we work in, and more focusing on maintaining wellness rather than waiting till the problems already happened. And then course, we can help with that too, if you already have a problem, but wouldn't it be great if we could do things that could prevent these problems from happening? So I'll hope, I know Carolyn shares this hope with me that this new generation of women who are entering our 40s after childbirth, I'm 53, but the younger ones can benefit from these non-surgical treatments um, with pelvic physical therapy, with um, Celechair and laser therapy so that you don't have to have surgery and you're not having your uterus fall out when you're 80, like my mom and, um, Carolyn's mom, you know, we can, we can take a different path. So, you know, we're, we're worth it, right? This is all maintenance, just like we maintain our cars and our air conditioners and everything else. Why don't we spend time maintaining ourselves? I think I spend more money on my landscaper than I do on my own self-maintenance sometimes, you know, to focus on ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then what's the, what's the sort of final step? So if a patient, you know, really has, um, she's had four or five babies and and really the laser is not going to perhaps achieve the goal that she needs for improvement of laxity. So let's talk about surgical treatments to tighten the vagina. So classically trained, we the first type of procedure is an anterior posterior repair which is when we get rid of excess tissue in the front wall of the vagina as well as in the back wall of the vagina and bring that into a new hammock supporting both the bladder and the rectum. If there's true urinary incontinence, now slings are placed in in that area of the bladder neck, which is that area where the, the urethra enters into the bladder. And that is running along the front wall of the vagina. So that is also the area of that magic G-spot. And uh, Taking that into consideration, there are procedures that go lateral to the urethra and can support the bladder. Uh, Some of them are done transabdominally, meaning into the abdomen and uh, laparoscopically to help support the vaginal wall and lift the uterus if it is coming down. And so the amount of different procedures that exist are extensive. And there's um, just for the opening, we call it the introitus, you can just tighten the lower third of the vagina if the organs are still in place, but there's just a feeling of gaping and where air is trapped and women feel like they are passing gas from their vagina. And it's just from an entrapment of air from movement. And that can be mortifying as well. Mm -hmm. So a closure of the opening area, the introitus, there are procedures that we can do to kind of, it's kind of like redoing an episiotomy, wouldn't you say, Susan? And we kind of bring that tissue back together and sew it back up. So it's just rebuilt and restored. Yeah. And I, I love that you're bringing that up. So we call that a perineal repair or uh, mm-hmm. just a, a tightening of the opening. 
that's a, a more minor surgery compared to the full uh, vaginal reconstruction that Carolyn also talked about. But for many women, yes. that can give us the results we need with minimal downtime. Um, you know, just like she said, we're recreating an episiotomy and then taking out some tissue so that it is under a little bit of tension so that the opening is narrower than it used to be. And that's going to provide some more friction with intercourse. Um, what I found is like, you know, when we've had the perineum restored, that's the area between the vagina and the anal opening, that that middle space, right? After we've had children, it can get quite narrow. So there's just not very much support there. So when we're having, I've experienced this myself, having intercourse, you just don't feel like you're really able to grasp onto anything. And then air and water can get up in there. And, you know, I would have that experience myself where I'm doing something, classic one is doing yoga where you put your feet over your head. And then as your feet come down, you've sucked that air up into the vagina. As your feet come down, you have that very embarrassing noise as the air comes out. These are small things but they can make you stop going to yoga. They can, again, make you stop doing the things that you love to do. And in that respect, we're losing our freedom. So just going back to that, like if you can do these things that may be relatively minor, even if they are surgery, and restore your ability to do the things you love, whether it's have sex, that's a big one, or yoga or <laughs> whatever that you might have decided to not do. Or I've Absolutely. had a lot of patients, you've probably heard this too, that stop having oral sex or sex with the lights on because they don't want anyone to see down there because they think it doesn't look pretty. You yes. heard that one? I think that's oh, so gosh, sad. Yes. It's terrible. It's terrible. And I will say that every woman is beautiful. Um, I love to speak of that piece of artwork I probably mentioned in our last podcast, which is the um, Great Wall of Vagina mm-hmm. in I love London. It is just awesome. 400 plaster molds of vulvas, but each one of us is beautiful in our own way. And nothing needs to, nothing needs to be altered. It's just a matter of function. And if there's a problem with function, even labia minora can sometimes get enlarged and start getting in the way of intercourse. And when that's a case, there's nothing wrong with getting that trimmed down. So it's no longer a nuisance daily problem. Mm-hmm. So. Of course. And, you know, again, like I can't say it enough, I guess, because this idea so resonates with me that if that restores freedom for you to do the things you love, if the labia minora are bothering you when you ride a bike or poking out of your swimsuit so you don't like to go to the beach or all these things that I've heard women say, yes, if if you're happy, your body is perfect the way it is. But these Things that are interrupting our ability to do what we love can be changed and, and so that you can have your freedom back. So I want to talk a little bit more about, this is something people just do not like talking about, but we just talk about everything here on this podcast. <laughs> I've heard this myself. I felt this myself, this like fear that my vagina is too loose and out of the realm of function. So let's just assume we're talking about women with normal function. We're not leaking urine. We're going to the bathroom uh, bowel movements are fine, yet we just feel like our vagina is more loose because we've had a baby or two or three. And um, I've heard so many women express this when they're given the ability to speak in a safe space, that it's a horrible fear that they're not going to be tight enough to be able to please their partner. Partner's going to be thinking, yeah, I wish she was tighter. You know, I think it's the corollary of men's fear of not having a big enough penis right? I mean, it's I just, agree. it's a I very, agree. very deep fear. Yep. And um, we don't talk about it. It's not appropriate to say that size matters, but size does matter. Let's face it. Our vagina can be too loose to have uh, the optimum pleasure. It's just okay to say that, I think. And let's yeah, talk about that yeah. more. Absolutely. I think that um, when it comes to truly having a vaginal orgasm, that takes the perfect storm, in my opinion. Some women can have a vaginal orgasm all the time, but 
it's extremely rare. And it, you know, 10 to 20% of women can achieve a vaginal orgasm. And let me define that. That means having an orgasm with no clitoral stimulation, just with penile penetration or a toy penetrating. And that is very rare. A lot of women come into me and they say, I can't have an orgasm. And with sex. And I said, okay, wait a minute, let me better define this. And they will explain that it's really, they can't have an orgasm without clitoral stimulation of some kind. So that can be positional, et cetera, et cetera. But in the case of uh, laxity, what you're having is even less chance of having a vaginal orgasm because vaginal orgasms occur from the stimulation of the G-spot. The area that we now know is a cluster of soft tissue on the front wall of the vagina, which is most likely analogous to the male prostate gland. And that stimulation is very heightened in many women and with penetration appropriately rubbing in that area is very erotic and erogenous and can lead to orgasm. So this area, when women are saying they just don't feel tight enough, if it, if the size of the penis and their, and their laxity don't mesh, then you're going to have lectin less sensation and less ability to have that intensity of vaginal orgasm. Mm, right. Of course, we know that, um, you know, certainly some women never have a vaginal orgasm and that's quite a large group. And mm -hmm. in that case, tightening the vagina, and I talk about this a lot with my patients. Now let's talk about how you have an orgasm and what your sexual preferences are, because mm -hmm. tightening the vagina in that case probably is not going to help. Um, perhaps it will a little bit, but if you used to have vaginal orgasms or sometimes you do, and now you, or maybe you do with a toy, um, because you can position it such that it's, um, angled more upward towards the G spot, mm -hmm. but with, um, penile penetration, right. that doesn't happen. Often it's because the posterior vaginal wall is lax. And so the penis is going in a downward and direction the, and yes, it's not being yes. pushed upward against the G spot, right? So if we tighten the vagina, the posterior wall, then the penis is pushed further up towards the G-spot. And actually one of my favorite surgeries to do in patients who need this, and they don't have a functional issue, is to only do the posterior side and not touch the bladder because we're not messing with the G-spot. There's nothing wrong with the bladder. Absolutely. Just a posterior vaginoplasty is, a, yeah. is an amazing way to um, tighten the vagina, get rid of that sensation of laxity and also angle the penis upward again. So it's rubbing on the right spot, right? So that's, exactly. is that what you've seen in your practice? Oh, absolutely. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's critically important. So we don't always need to do both sides, right? Of, of tightening oh, in the vagina, no. or in fact, I prefer not to do the bladder side unless you have a leakage of urine issue. Um, tightening the vagina, we call that a vaginoplasty. Uh, so you can tighten, like Carolyn said, the front side and the back side. That was the traditional way. And if you have functional issues, that's appropriate, like urine leakage. But if you just want the vagina tighter for better sexual sensation and you don't have the vaginal orgasms that you used to, just the posterior side can do wonders. Exactly, exactly. And then adding platelet-rich plasma to that front wall can really boost the intensity of uh, orgasm. So there's more blood flow and more nerve tissue regenerated in that area and directly into the clitoris, heightening the intensity of orgasm. So that's the O-shot as we well know. And it's just spectacular to add all of these things together to be able to maximize pleasure. Yeah, that's a fun combination. Actually, I've done recently started doing you know, first of all, I'll say an O-shot really is not painful. I've had it myself in the office. We use local anesthetic and it's 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 a bit uncomfortable, but it's certainly not painful. You get it done and you go home. But if I'm having a patient who's having a posterior vaginoplasty, I've had several patients opt to have it done at the same time while they're asleep. So they just don't have to go through that minor discomfort because it does take, you know, six weeks or so before the platelet-rich plasma really starts to 
work because it's building new blood vessels and, and all of those good things and collagen. So you can't have sex for six weeks after the surgery. So during your downtime, all the stuff's kicking in. So I think that's a fun combination to do. Do you like to do it that way too? Because you, you're not having sex anyway. So you might as well let all of this stuff soak in and do its magic. Yeah. And PRP is the elixir of life. It's pixie dust. It's fertilizer. It helps our tissue grow and heal itself. So it is, in my opinion, added to absolutely any procedure that we do, and it'll enhance absolutely everything. Yeah, we I know we can't say enough about it. I know we talked That's about right. it last time, but <laughs> we'll repeat ourselves. It's your own blood. I mean, there's just... Uh, nothing bad can happen with it as long as it's done appropriately by someone who's well-trained and it's put in the right place. So that's just one of the incredible things about living in this um, century that we have these tools available that can uh, enhance surgery or even avoid surgery altogether. Like I shared last time, if you didn't listen to the first episode, I was personally about to have a surgery to uh, stress, you know, cure my stress incontinence, which I had. And it was canceled due to COVID. And I instead sat on the Amcella chair and did an O-shot and had vaginal laser. And I don't have stress incontinence anymore um, at all. And I never had the surgery. And I'm never going to have the surgery. And I didn't have to have my G-spot opened up surgically, which was really good. So, yes, that potential is there for many of us. And to add that also, you are not a passive person. You are a marathoner and you're out running, hitting that pavement, biking, like, you know, these are things that really challenge our anatomy mm -hmm. and you put it to the true test. And with these procedures, they still worked despite yes. that kind of stress placed on them. Oh, so you're right. Like I put a lot of stress something. on my bladder. Um, yeah. and, and I'll tell you the, the years that I had that, which was about 10 years I, after my kids were born and it wasn't severe, but it was enough that these are minor things, but it's so annoying. I would only yeah. ever run wearing black shorts because I knew I was going to urinate on myself. So I, I always, you know, and that's a small thing, but now I can wear whatever the hell I want. You know, yeah. and I, I just yeah. love that freedoming and going back to that idea. Like, I don't have to worry, yeah. you know, am I going to leak? Is it going to smell bad? I would think I oh, can't drive with this friend on the way home because I'll have to have a towel because I'll, you know, all these thoughts. Um, and I yes. don't have to think about it anymore. So um, it's critical. Yeah, really, really good stuff. Um, and so if you come and see me or Carolyn, if you live in the Northeast, she's in uh, New Jersey and you have two offices, yeah, New York and New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Correct. Uh, these are things that can really change your life. I mean, change my own life. That's why I went into doing this stuff when I saw what it could do for me. As most of you know who know my story, I went into this field in, in particular because I saw, saw how much it restored my own life with hormone balance and all these other things. Lots of amazing things that we can do to help with vaginal laxity. And so, Carolyn, then so what's the point really? So you, you do all these things. What have you seen in your patients as far as just um, renewal of relationships and, and better sex and, and improvement and, and intimacy and all of these things that can just improve quality of life? What are some stories that oh, you have? It's just so life changing when patients are able to be intimate again. And they, they come and they say on a daily basis, you've changed my life. And since COVID, they're like, I really want to hug you. And they mm. can't because of COVID. But they, um, if they just want to share the fact that they saved their marriage, yeah. So having a good sex life isn't the only thing in a relationship, but my experience as a divorced person, and I, you know, wrote a book about it and also as a doctor is that it is really important. You know, when we yeah. lose that, things change in a way that's not healthy. And I, you know, I, I hope I'm not stepping on anyone's toes to say that I, I have not personally met a couple who I think we're truly happy and without having some intimate physical connection. And yeah, it's not always vaginal intercourse. If you're 90 years old, you might have other things, but intimate physical connection is crucial. You know, humans need it. We need it to be connected. Wow. Yeah. As there's no doubt you do. You absolutely. And it's a huge ripple effect. When a couple has a healthy 
sex life. It's evident to everybody who Mm -hmm. meets them. And that brings to mind another couple that I treat and they are just adorable. Um, Very funny because they're, it's a second marriage for both of them, but they're now married about 20 years. And what happened was he was at a bar and on a date with another woman. She was walking past them and tripped Oh my goodness. So she basically fell right into their date and they started chatting and she actually business, she networked with the woman and gave her her business card and her now husband took the card from the girl and called her the next day. (laughs) So anyway, their history is so cute, but they come to me and they said they went to a party and they had this glow about them and all their friends in the neighborhood came up to them and said, what the hell is up with you two? (laughs) What the hell's going on? And he shared that he had come to me, that they had both come to me for these treatments and that their intimate life was great, better than ever. So the whole neighborhood is now very your patient. <laughs> yes, probably your patients too. It's pretty cute. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that just speaks to this isn't selfish, you know, to take care of yourselves and, and to take care of your relationship and nurture your sex life. Exactly. You know, it, it helps your relationship. But then, like Carolyn said, other people see this beautiful energy about you. You can present in a more confident way in the world. I mean, it just affects everything. And I'm saying that as a woman who had no sex drive for 10 years and had that restored. So I am completely on board with that idea. I'm a better mom. I'm a better doctor. I'm a better friend uh, because I'm able to show up as my full self. And that's what my whole book was about. So yes, this is not selfish. This is something that you do to help yourself. And then it in turn helps your relationship and everyone around you, right? Yep, absolutely. I'll share that Carolyn's actually on vacation right now. And so, um, <laughs> so generous of you to share an hour of your precious time when you're on vacation. And, you. and so great to have you back with us. I think this subject is something we need to talk more about to not be ashamed. I'm so grateful that you were able to provide that voice just to let women know, you know, we can change this if we want to and take back our lives. And uh, we can find absolutely. you at, remind us your website. Yeah, Carolyn Delusia MD. Carolyn Delusia MD.com. And we'll write that mm-hmm. in the notes below. Enjoy your vacation. You deserve thank it. You. Um, and it's thank you for you. sharing your incredible knowledge with us. Oh, um, Carolyn really is one of the premier doctors in this space in this country and the world. So check her out. Thank you. And thank we you. will talk to you soon. Thank you, Susan. Always such a pleasure. Have a wonderful day. Bye bye now. <laughs>